going to be in Luke chapter number 1. Turn it back to Luke chapter number 1 this morning. As we approach the birth of Christ, and of course we all know that Luke chapter number 2 is the, is the classic passage that we refer to. If we're going to read the Christmas story, we go to Luke chapter number 2. And next, uh, uh, next Sunday, Christmas Sunday, we will be looking in Luke chapter number 2. But as we make our way toward Christmas, there are many events that Luke recorded uh, that preceded the birth of Christ that set the stage for for the birth of Christ. Now, last week we looked at Mary's song and looked at how Mary magnified the Lord and the things that she praised the Lord for in her song when she went to visit Elizabeth and there with Elizabeth. Of course, Elizabeth greeted her and Mary responded with that song. We looked at that song. But if you continue through chapter number 1, you will find that Mary stayed. Mary stayed there with Elizabeth. The Bible doesn't say that she was there at the birth of John the Baptist, but we do know that Elizabeth... Uh, was with child for six months, uh, and then Mary uh, came, and Mary stayed with her, the Bible says, about three months. Uh, and so very likely that Mary was still there when John was born. And of course, you know that when the angel appeared to Zacharias, uh, the angel told Zacharias uh, that he would have a son, John the Baptist, uh, and that his son would be the forerunner or the predecessor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, John, or Zacharias, excuse me, Zacharias questioned... Uh, uh, the angel, how could this be? We're past age, how could this be possible? And as a sign, as a sign that this was going to come to pass, Zacharias lost his voice. And for nine months, Zacharias was not able to speak. However, when John was born, uh, they, uh, Elizabeth said, we want to name him John, which went against custom because customarily you would have named your child uh, after his father or after at least a family member. And Elizabeth said, we're going to name him John because this is what the angel had said. And so all the family members said, well, why would you name him John? There's no one uh, here by that name. And so uh, uh, Zacharias was there and Zacharias asked for a tablet. He motioned, I need something to write with. Uh, he wanted to confirm that, uh, and so he wrote on the tablet, uh, his name is John. And when he showed him the tablet, immediately his tongue was loosed and he was able to speak. Now, had I not been able to speak for nine months and my tongue was suddenly loose, there would be a lot that I would want to talk about. And being the circumstances and the atmosphere that Zacharias was in at that moment was concerning the birth of his son who had just been born and the fact that I had lost my speech because uh, that I was going to have a son, I would think that my speech, my conversation, what I had to say would surround the birth of my son. But whenever we look at the end of Luke chapter number 1, we find that when Zacharias' tongue was loosed, he did speak. But what Zacharias had to talk about was not necessarily his son, but the one that his son was speaking of, the one that his son was to proclaim. And so in the beginning of Luke 1 or earlier in Luke 1, we looked at Mary's song. Now we come to Luke chapter number 1, verse 67, uh, down through 
through the end of the chapter and we find what is known as the song of Zacharias. The song of Zacharias. Uh, uh, this is sometimes known as the Benedictus. This is the, the passage of Scripture that has been dedicated uh, as a song for Zacharias. Now, as we said with Mary, the Bible does not specifically say that what we refer to as Mary's song uh, was indeed a song that she sung, uh, but we do know in its original format it was poetic uh, and could very well be seen as a song. For centuries we've referred to it as a song. The same is true with what John or uh, Zacharias says here. Uh, uh, it is not said in the Bible that it is a song, but it is poetic uh, and could very well have been a song. And for centuries we've referred to it as the song of Zacharias. So we're going to read Luke chapter number 1, starting in verse number 67, and we're going to read down through the end of the chapter. It says, And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And that is the end of the song. And the verse 80 says, And the child, John, grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, we thank you that you spoke through Zacharias, uh, Lord, concerning yourself. And Lord, you proclaimed even before your birth, even at your conception, oh Lord, you proclaimed what it was that you would do when you come to minister among us. Father, we thank you, oh Lord, for your word. We thank you for the clarification of your word. We thank you, Lord, that, that over and over and over again, your word confirms to us who you are and what it is that you came to do for us. I thank you, dear Lord, for the reality of your birth. I thank you, dear Lord, that whenever we look at history. Well, Lord, we find, uh, Lord, that there is evidence of you. Father, whenever we look at the gospel accounts, uh, we find eyewitness records uh, of you. And then, Father, Lord, whenever we experience salvation, uh, we have the witness of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And, Father, Lord, today as we celebrate your birth, Father, I thank you uh, that we're not celebrating a false hope. Uh, we're not celebrating something uh, that we will never come to fruition. But, Father, we are celebrating the truth 
truth of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you for your birth. I thank you for your sacrifice. Father, as we look at your word, Father, I pray you will take this message and Lord, I pray you will use it to speak to the hearts of the people. Father, I pray it will encourage those that have put their trust in you, Father, concerning why you came. Father, I pray if there be one here that has never trusted you as Savior, that Lord, you will take and speak through your word this morning and show them, Father, their need to trust in you as Savior. Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the service this morning. Thank you, dear Lord, for the worship. Thank you for the spirit. Bless now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Whenever we think about Mary's song that we looked at last week, uh, we find that Mary's song was a song of praise uh, for what God had done and who God was. She was looking at who God was and what God had accomplished. Uh, uh, but whenever we look at the song of Zacharias, we see that the song of Zacharias uh, is a prophetic song concerning what Jesus would do. Uh, we could take these two and combine them and call it the song of Christmas uh, and Mary is verse 1 and John is verse number 2. We see Mary is singing about what God has done. Zacharias is singing about what God is going to do or what Jesus would do in his ministry. I see four things in this passage that tell us what the birth of Christ really means for all of mankind. As Zacharias proclaimed the coming of the Lord Jesus, he gives us four things that I believe tell us what does it mean why did Jesus come? What was his purpose in coming to this earth? I believe we find the answer to this in the song of Zacharias. The first thing that we see in verse number 68 is the process of redemption. The process of redemption. In verse number 68, Zacharias begins by saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. The first thing that Zacharias spoke of when his tongue was loosed was the coming of a redeemer. Redemption had been promised, but now the means whereby redemption would be accomplished has been revealed all the way from Genesis, all the way from the beginning. Man had been promised a redeemer. All through the Old Testament, man looked for that redeemer. Man anticipated that redeemer the conception of the Lord Jesus Christ in the womb of Mary has now revealed the means whereby that redemption is going to be accomplished. We see that Jesus would be the means whereby mankind would be redeemed. Jesus would deliver the captive. He would set free those who were in bondage to sin and to death. He would pay the price necessary to redeem man from the consequences of his sin and the clutches of the debt that he was incapable of paying, Jesus Christ would be the means of redemption for all mankind. The coming of Christ would answer the need of all of mankind. Man would be bought back. Man's sin debt would be paid and his eternity would be secured through the work of the Savior. Now, I don't know what uh, all happened in John's mind as he was mute for nine months, uh, but I imagine it gave him plenty of time 
to think. You know, sometimes uh, we're unable to think because we're too busy talking. Well, John didn't have that problem for nine months. Or Zacharias, excuse me, I keep calling them the wrong name. If I keep doing that, y'all interpret for me, all right? But anyway, Zacharias was able, he was able to meditate and he was able to think. And for nine months, uh, he was able to think. Uh, and whenever the angel greeted him, he said, I want to let you know that the son that your wife is going to bear uh, is going to be the forerunner uh, of the Redeemer. And for nine months, his thoughts surrounded the fact that the Redeemer had come. And whenever he began to speak, he began to proclaim the process of redemption. We see in Luke chapter number 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus speaking here. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus says here in Luke chapter number 4, the reason I have come is to provide redemption, to bring deliverance, to set free. In Ephesians chapter number 1 in verse number 7, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Zacharias prophesied and said, the child that John is going to be proclaiming will be the one who will bring redemption to mankind. In 1 Peter 1 verse 18 down through verse number 20, the Bible says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers. But here's how you were redeemed. With the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world. I want to say that John or Zacharias began his prophecy. He began his prophecy by proclaiming the reason Christ is coming is to be the redeemer of the world. This is what my son is going to do is proclaim that this child will be the redeemer of the world. Secondly, not only did Zacharias proclaim the process of redemption, but I see that Zacharias rejoiced in the power of salvation. He rejoiced in the power of salvation. Look in verse 69 down through verse number 71. It says, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. In Scripture and in ancient times, the horn often represented strength. The horn represented might. The horn represented power. Uh, it represented victory. We see here that he said, God hath raised up for us a horn of salvation in the house of David. Zacharias is speaking of the power of salvation that would be made available through the Lord Jesus Christ. The picture here that we see is of someone who is about to be taken captive 
live, but then help arrives and the enemy is the one who is taken captive. Have you ever been in that situation where you were outnumbered? Now the bigger guy was over you perhaps in school and maybe there was something you wanted to play on the monkey bars, but the big guy said, no, I'm going to play on the monkey bars. And you were outsized, you were outnumbered, there was no way you could win, but then help showed up and the big guy that was on the monkey bars got off and you were allowed to play. We see the situation here is as an army that is outnumbered, an army that has no chance, an army that is sure to be defeated, but then help arrives and the tables are turned and the, the victor becomes the defeated and the, uh, the ones that were underpowered now become the victor. This is the power of salvation. You see, in my own strength and in my own self, I am outpowered. I am outnumbered. I cannot withstand the weakness of this flesh. I cannot stand against the temptations of the devil. I cannot withstand all that the world might throw at me. I'm outnumbered. I'm the one that's going to be defeated. But through Christ, through salvation, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And the one that was incapable, the one that was unable, the one that had no strength, through salvation, I have become the victor. Well, I'm telling you what, there's a lot of people who have not realized that salvation makes you the victor. And how do I know this? Because I see so many Christians living in defeat. So many Christians still defeated by the devil and by sin and by temptation when the Bible says that through salvation we are the victor. We can rise up. We can find strength in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that the things of this world won't wear you down. It'll wear us all down. But in Christ, I have a source of refreshment that will empower me and enable me to go on for the cause of Christ. Boy, you get out there working in the hot sun, bailing hay, throwing the hay up on the back of the truck, something about bailing hay, it'll just dry your throat out, uh, something awful. Nowadays they have all this automated equipment. Back when I was uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, I rode on the back of a hay wagon every summer and that old square beller would kick the bales out and grab them bales and throw them back up to the next guy and boy, that hay in the air and getting in your throat and dry you out. Uh, and boy, I'm telling you what, after a few hours of that, uh, you begin to feel pretty weak uh, and you begin to feel pretty dry you begin to feel like there's no way you can press on. I remember one time I climbed off the wagon. It was just getting dark. I was completely exhausted. It was hot. I was sweating and I walked up to the truck and here sat the water cooler and beside the cooler, it's one of them kind that's got the push button, you know, beside the cooler sat this big cup and I just grabbed the cup and I started filling it up. Another fellow was with me said, you don't know who drank out of that cup. I said, I really don't care who drank out of this cup. We're going to get some water. Boy, I'm telling you what, it was a source of refreshment. And once I got that source of refreshment, I felt renewed. Where just moments ago, I felt like I couldn't press on. Now I have been renewed and I have found the strength and the refreshment to face it again. You see, folks, many times the world will wear us down, but we have got a source of refreshment through the Lord 
Lord Jesus Christ. And the problem is the reason we live defeated is because when the world wears us down, we fail to seek the refreshment that God has made available to us and we live defeated as if there's no source of power that we can tap into. Let me tell you, find refreshment in the Word of God. Let Him renew you, let Him restore you and go on in the power of salvation. Many times, I'm getting off, off running a rabbit here. Many times in today's world, we put more importance on everything than we do on coming to the house of God and receiving from the word of God and we have Christians who never are able to live a victorious life because they neglect the importance of the things of God. Over and over we see it. We see that Zacharias rejoiced in the power of salvation. Whenever we look at this picture that Zacharias paints for us, we see that as a help arriving and the enemy being defeated. Let me explain this to you. When the enemy is defeated, he can't take any more prisoners. There are those who would like to teach that we can lose our salvation as if our salvation depends upon ourself and not on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'd like to teach that we can lose our salvation. Well, let me tell you, whenever I was born again, the enemy was defeated. He was taken captive and he can no longer have victory over me. He can no longer take me prisoner. He has been defeated. The power of salvation brings total victory for the people of God. When you trust Jesus Christ, Christ is Savior, you are delivered from Satan's power, moved into God's kingdom, redeemed and forgiven forever. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 12 down through 14, Paul said, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. Zacharias rejoiced. He rejoiced in the process of redemption. He rejoiced in the power of salvation. But then in verse 76 down through verse number 78 I see that he rejoiced in the pardon of our sins. He says in verse number 76, here in verse number 76, he's addressing his son, John the Baptist. He says, And thou, child, speaking to John, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. Verse 76, Zacharias turns his attention to his son John, but only to highlight John's mission of turning the hearts of men to a Savior who is able to offer the remission of sins. What do we mean when we speak of remission? Remission means to send away, to dismiss a debt. To send away, to dismiss as a debt. Every one of us this morning are indebted to God because of the sins of ourselves. Every single one of us. We are born 
with a sinful nature. We are born condemned and we don't waste any time acting on that nature. We do not waste any time acting upon our selfishness. We don't waste any time condemning ourselves and all of us uh, owe a debt to God because of living for ourselves and to ourselves. We are indebted because we have broke His law. We failed to live up to His standards. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse number 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. The debt's a problem, but a bigger problem than the debt is that we have no way to pay the debt. We are incapable of paying the debt. You see, the penalty for the debt that we owe is death. And Whenever we pay that debt of eternal death, we spend eternity in a lake of fire. That's the only acceptable payment. We are incapable of paying that debt. Some would like to think that we can pay that debt off by doing good works. But as I've explained many times, a debt is not paid by doing good. A debt is paid when that balance has been satisfied. And we have a balance on our record. We have a sin debt on our record. And you can do as much good as you want to do. Doing good does not provide forgiveness for the debt. The debt must be satisfied. And the only acceptable payment for that debt is death. The only acceptable payment that can be made. In Isaiah 64 verse number 6, the Bible says, But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness, all the good that we might try to do are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. We see that we have a problem and that we owe a debt and an even bigger problem is that we have no way to pay that debt but Jesus came and pardoned our sin. He brought remission of our sin. In Psalm 103, boy, I love, I love this passage of Scripture. Psalm 103, verse 10 down through verse number 12. It says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Boy, I'm telling you what, that, that verse right there ought to just stir your soul. He hath not dealt with us after our sin, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. In other words, we are not getting what we deserve. If you do not spend eternity in hell, you are getting better than you deserve. He hath not rewarded us according to our iniquities. The Bible says in verse 11, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. The Bible says in Philippians 3 and verse number 9, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Zacharias rejoiced that this Messiah that was coming was coming to pardon our sin. He was coming to pay our debt. He was coming to take away the sin of the world. The last thing that Zacharias pointed out concerning the benefit of the coming Savior is found in verse 78 and 79 where Zacharias rejoices in the prospect of a new day. Look there at the last part of verse number 78. Whereby the dayspring 
from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Dayspring, the word dayspring, we see there in verse number 78, means sunrise. The dawning of a new day. I enjoy camping. I don't get to camp much anymore. All my boys grew up and got married and for whatever reason they don't like camping anymore. But anyway, I used to enjoy camping a lot and going camping and still enjoy getting out in the woods and camping. But there's been a few times when we were camping and my brother, he got married and he don't hike with me anymore either. But all these guys, when they were unmarried, used to make fun of me. You know, they'd say, hey, you want to go camping? I said, well, let me check with Melissa. And boy, they'd just make all kinds of fun of me. But I still went. They don't go. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, my brother and I, we used to hike together. And sometimes we'd be on a hike, you know, and we uh, on the Appalachian Trail. If you've ever been on the Appalachian Trail, they have cabin shelters built periodically where you can uh, find a place to sleep, you know. But uh, sometimes we would map our route out and we would be hiking and we would either decide to go a little further than the shelter or maybe we wouldn't quite make it to the shelter. And we'd decide that we was hungry and we want to set up camp. And so we would just find us a place there and we'd set up camp along the trail somewhere and most of the time we would have a, a sleeping mat with us and a tarp you know that we could throw up in case we wanted to sleep out like that and there's been a few nights when we would find ourselves in a place like that and you, you're tired and a lot of times it'd be getting dark and, and so you set up camp and you spread your tarp out and you roll your sleeping mat out and put your sleeping bag down and you crawl in to go to sleep and a few minutes in, you realize that your sleeping bag's like this on the side of the hill. It's not level. Or you feel a big rock right underneath your back. And you, you, you know how you ever in that place of sleep where it's enough to aggravate you, but not enough to make you get up and do something about it? Uh, and boy, you got that rock in your back. It's all night you're trying to fidget with that rock. Or it begins to rain. Uh, I remember one time we went camping and I had a, a, a six-foot tarp. I figured I was six foot, tarp six foot, I'd be dry, right? It don't work that way. No, I was sliding out one end, sliding out the other end, rain dripping on me, and it's dark. And boy, I'm telling you what, sometimes the most wonderful thing that can happen is when the sun cracks over the horizon. You're like, finally, the night is over. I mean, I didn't get any sleep, and I'm still tired, but I can get out of this tent. I can go do something else. The night has ended. A new day has dawned. Boy, I tell you, you can apply that in a spiritual sense. Many times we go through life and we feel that we find ourselves in a dark place. Those who are without Christ constantly live in that dark place. But Jesus is the day spring. He is the new day. He is the sunrise. He is the introduction of light to those in darkness. He is a ray of hope for those in despair. When Jesus comes, he makes all things new. He removes the darkness. He delivers from the distress and despair. He brings light, life, and peace to all who will put their trust in him. The songwriter said it this way, when Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, our tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and he fills my heart with glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. I want to say that when Jesus comes, it is the prospect 
of a new day. It is the prospect of a brighter day. Psalm 107. Psalm 107 is a lengthy chapter and gives us examples of what Christ can do. We're going to read down through these. In verse number 5 of Psalm 107, it says, Hungry and thirsty, speaking of folks in need, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. You drop down to verse number 9, it says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. In verse number 10, we speak of another individual, such as sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. It's verse number 17, we see another. It says, fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Verse number 26, another individual, they mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man or at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them under their desired haven. And verse number 31 is a verse that's repeated in each of these situations. Verse 31, All that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Zacharias rejoiced in the promises of the coming Messiah. And I believe you and I can rejoice this morning in the provision of salvation found in the Savior, Christ the Lord. As you sit here this morning, if you've put your trust in Christ, I'm sure you can remember when you were in darkness. You can remember when you were in distress. You can remember when your life was falling apart. And you can remember when Jesus came and made all things right. We can rejoice that God has made that available for us. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as Savior, let me tell you, when Jesus comes, when Jesus comes, everything is made new. When Jesus comes, He takes the gloom and He fills your heart with glory. When Jesus comes, It's the best thing that will ever happen to you. This month we've been celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That little babe born in a manger wasn't just for a cool story for us to celebrate each year. That babe in the manger was the coming of the Redeemer. John knew it, or Zacharias knew it, and he was so thrilled about it that he neglected to even talk about the birth of his own son as he rejoiced in the greatness of of this coming Redeemer. Let us not fail to also rejoice in our Redeemer. Let's all stand to our feet. Miss Melissa comes to the piano. The Lord spoke to your heart this morning. You come. Perhaps you want to come and just thank the Lord for the provision of a Savior. You want to thank the Lord for your salvation. Maybe you want to pray for someone that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. Perhaps you're here and you've never accepted Christ or maybe you don't know for sure If you're on your way to heaven, as she plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart, you come.